Hey everyone, I'm Mark Talbot from 20 Foot Radius. And I'm Derek Myers from DungeonsMaster.com. I'm Craig Sutherland, and you're listening to Recounting Encounters, a D&D Adventures League podcast. A show where we talk about D&D encounters, D&D expeditions, D&D epics, and exploits from our D&D home games. Hey everyone, welcome to Recounting Encounters, new season, Princes of the Apocalypse, and tonight we're going to talk about the first episode of Princes of the Apocalypse. Uh, Derek and Craig, I know that you've been to, uh, you've played a, a few of, a few, I guess, <laughs> games. One you, week. <laughs> you, you played one week, but you played at uh, a couple of places, let's say, let's let's put it at that, right? Yes, that's correct. Okay, excellent. So we're going to go with that, and we're going to get a nice little recap. But first, we'd like to talk about some of the stuff that um, has maybe been happening around the kind of gaming world. So uh, I know last time we said 30 seconds, but after we spoke about it, and we said it's kind of ridiculous to call it 30 seconds because uh, we tend to be extremely loquacious people. So uh, let's get started. Uh, Derek, what's, what's new on the news with you? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. New seasons, of D- New seasons of being the encounter. That's really that's that's my that's my thing this week. I, I'll save all of my my pearls of wisdom for uh, my encounters discussion. I have a few points on that, but uh, I know you guys have some non encounters things to discuss. So why don't you guys take care of that, and then we'll we'll jump right into the encounter stuff. Definitely. So uh, I'm sure it's not news to anybody else, but anybody who plays the game Neverwinter. Uh, Princes of the or uh, uh, Elemental Evil, the module Elemental Evil was supposed to come out March fifteenth. Uh, unfortunately, that was delayed till April seventh. So the module is going to be launched on April seventh. Uh, uh, from what I've been reading on the forums and such, uh, I mean, putting the complaints aside, um, there has been a lot of positive feedback, and people are actually commending Cryptic and uh, Perfect World of for 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 delaying it because. Apparently there have been a lot of bugs, a lot of stuff they haven't fixed. Uh, they've been having a, doing a lot more changes than they thought was necessary in order to get the module up to level 70. So to be able to acclimatize not only uh, Elemental Evil, but they have to acclimatize also all the other dungeons, all the, the previous dungeons that are 60th level, etc., etc. So there's been a lot of, uh, I guess, coding problems or coding glitches. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what's going on. I'm still reading about it. But um, essentially, that's what's happening. They're also doing making a lot of changes regarding the uh, uh, what Arc Games used to have is a wallet they call it, or Perfect World used to have a wallet where basically you buy Zen, um, and Zen is basically a currency that you can pay for in the market. Now they've been changing all that up also, um, so that should all come to fruition probably April seventh. So I'm pretty stoked about it. Um, I have played some of the playtest, and the playtest looks, uh, well, playtest, I guess you want to call it a beta area or whatever you want to call it. Craig, what would you call it? Um, well, it would be beta, because this game is already running, right? So. Yeah, I guess. So it's like, a, it's like a mirror server, but it's got the new module on it, not 100%, but they've got the new module on it for people to give it a shot, say, you know, here's a bug, uh, this is what I noticed, power's not working correctly, et cetera, et cetera. So it's been, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, apart from that, uh, Xbox seems to have launched quite nicely. They, uh, they still are in beta, I believe, and they're not ready yet to go to, uh, to full term. So, uh, I'll keep you posted on that, but Craig, do you have anything to add with that? Have you heard any other news? I, last I heard it was April was the time frame for that. Is it Sunray? No. You mean for, 
the Xbox version for the, yeah. the yeah they're coming out of beta I I heard in the next three weeks or so but they're not ready yet. Well, I gotta tell you, I played the uh, part of the beta one of their first beta weekends. Right. It's pretty rough. I won't lie. It's pretty rough. Compared to the PC version? Oh, yeah, very much so. It really shouldn't have been. The hardware in the Xbox One should be able to run it nicely, but it was uh, was very framey, and it was kind of rough. (laughs) It was, I would say it was... It would be. It was unrealistable. I could not fathom anyone releasing something that performed that poorly as it did in some areas. But again, it was beta, so hopefully they'll have that ironed out by the time they get final out. Very true, and a lot of people are actually complaining also because I would say most Neverwinter players have actually logged on now via PC, right? So those yeah. people that are huge Xbox fans now are saying, well, they're not letting us. It's going to be independent. The Xbox is actually going to be independent from PC, so you won't be able to get any Xbox players you won't be able to play with Xbox players on uh, on PC servers, so that's that's kind of lame, also. And a lot of people I are complaining. Yeah. yeah, they can't they can't transfer their characters over, so they're it's, forced to stay PC. It seems very silly. It seems like you're purposely keeping it, that audience smaller, right? Because there's bound to be more on the PC. Yeah. More players, play, but well, that's just the way it is, I guess. Live and learn, and we'll uh, I, I guess we'll keep you posted on that, and we'll see whether or not they're going to merge it at some point. Which I hope they don't, because I think it would just create a lot of uh, coding issues regarding the the merging of the servers. So, well, we'll see. Uh, and anything else else to add, Craig? Have you read anything else? No. Oh well, relating to Neverwinter, but one of the things is that they they're rolling out their different articles and whatnot on the Wizards website. Uh, one of them is, uh, as we um, as we discussed, the Unearthed Arcana series, but there's also something that you might want to check out is the Sage Advice column by uh, Jeremy Crawford. Uh, I think there's only been two thus far. The first one, I believe, was just an introduction, but then he's just put one out about the rules of spellcasting. Uh, so it just kind of goes into, to, like, he answers questions and whatnot about, uh, about the rules and just different sort of interpretations. It's very interesting reads, for sure. Cool. Have either of you guys read uh, any of those uh, articles yet? No, I'm pretty disappointed at the website, and I have a lot of trouble navigating it, so I can't seem to find any of these articles. Oh, I know. It, it actually really is kind of uh, kind of confusing the way they have it laid out. I wish it was a little more user-friendly. You mean, yeah, I'm very limited as a teacher, and I don't have like three hours to learn how to navigate a website that should come naturally. Yeah. It's flashy and pretty, but uh, yeah, it doesn't seem to be too user-friendly overall. Exactly. But- Oh well, I think that's kind of always been the case with the the with their D and D website, though. Well, I found that their last one, the fourth edition website, was fantastic. Oh really? Yeah. I found it a little fiddly then too. So. Eh, teach their own, I guess. Yeah. Anything else to add? No, I think that's it. There's not really been too much, other than we eagerly await the release of the official Prince of the Apocalypse uh, hardback book. But in the meantime. True, true, true. I can't wait. I'm going to Amazon actually tonight to buy it. Yeah. You mean you're going to your local gaming store, brick-and-mortar location to buy it, right? Support your local gaming store? Oh, this Friday. Actually, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I, I just thought of, huh, yeah, I have a credit somewhere, so I'm going to go use it. Bingo. Because I Excellent. did some work. Yeah, great. Awesome. All right, so. Yeah, yeah, so support counters. your FL. Yes, for sure. Where yeah. possible. Where possible. Exactly. And and I know that, uh, you know, exactly to the point you just made, a lot of people jump on Amazon or Chapters if they're from Canada or wherever because the prices are, are in many cases, 
significantly below the the actual sticker price. I mean, in my experience, if you talk to the people at your game store, they would rather you buy it from them, even if they only make a tiny bit of money off it, than buy it somewhere else and not support the store. So if you're thinking about buying this book and you haven't already placed a pre-order somewhere, go to your local store, talk to them, let them know, hey, your competitors, which is your online, has it for X, Y, Z, whatever. What can you do for me? Maybe they give you a deal. Buy the book and a box of minis, and they'll give you something, a discount, or whatever. I mean, try try to be, uh, uh, you know, I'm try to support your local game store where you can. I mean, I, at the end of the day, if the book is forty bucks at your store and you can get it for twenty bucks online, and the store is not willing to play ball, then hey, twenty bucks is twenty bucks. But uh, you know, see see if they're willing to, uh, to to do something to sweeten the pot a little bit. Don't don't just assume they're unwilling. Well, you just taught me a lesson. Indeed, I did. <laughs> I, I, the teacher has learned. Um, all right, so <laughs> D&D Encounters. This is season 20 for those of us who have been playing it from the very beginning and who are still keeping track. Um, it is called Princes of the Apocalypse. It is part of the Elemental Evil storyline. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a new beginning. So the expectation is that most, if not all, characters will come in fresh, brand new, level one. Um, many, of the char- many of the players at the stores where we play have uh, made a point of playing a little bit of the Lost Minds of Fendelver in the weeks preceding this so that they could get a little XP and come in at level two. But, uh, I mean, for the most part, it's certainly not required, but it is definitely allowed. Um, the adventure starts off pretty straightforward. The, uh, the characters are headed to or are arriving in a town called Red Larch, which is a little bit northeast of Waterdeep. And you have no idea how long it took me to figure that out. Uh, An embarrassingly long amount of time. I I just didn't feel that that was clearly spelled out in the mod. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um, When the characters arrive in Red Larch, they meet the NPCs. It's just a relatively small town, so there's a, a number of uh, locations identified on the map of the town. Uh, at each location, there are a number of NPCs you can interact with. Uh, there are a few adventure hooks. Basically, there's like sort of three mini adventure hook stories, uh, plot lines, and count. I guess they would be sort of the traditional capital E encounters. Um, that you can find out about and interact with. You can do them in any order. You, in fact, don't even have to do any of them, or you could do all of them, totally up to you. And they're, again, it's sort of the short suite. The adventurers get a chance to, to try out their new characters and uh, make sure everyone's cool with what they got. Uh, there is an XP limit of 300 experience points that you will earn in, a, in sort of this first little episode, which includes the arriving in town and these three little sort of encounters. Uh, the DM is encouraged to throw in some random encounters as they deem appropriate. But again, any XP that you earn from that is still part of the 300 XP cap. So DMs out there, be mindful of that. I know with my group, I threw a random encounter at them on the way to the town. And they ended up racking up a fair amount of XP before they even started the official part of the module. Um, but yeah, we uh, we were Craig and I are playing at a new store in the Toronto area called Face to Face Games. And they have been treating us really well there. Uh, they've got a great location, and so we were starting up their public play from nothing. We uh, we had two full tables, six players at each table, and um, yeah, everybody seemed to have a great time. And uh, we're gonna keep running it. When do you uh, play now, there? Pardon me. Do you play on Wednesdays? 
Absolutely. Wednesday nights, uh, we start at 6 o'clock. Uh, all are welcome. We are currently uh, hoping to expand to a third table because we know we have the interest. And uh, the players are loving it. And there's a uh, great cafe on the premises where you can get uh, dinner. So think of it as uh, the D&D&D, Dinner and Dungeons and & Dragons. And uh, we nice. encourage you to come on out. Uh, anyway, now that I've given them their plug, 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 the um, – yeah, we did our first encounter. We did our first session. Um, I, I don't want to go into too much detail, but essentially for my group, I gave them a random encounter on the way to Red Larch. And uh, I took some guidance from one of the notes that's in the actual module where it started off with a bunch of orcs running like literally charging, sprinting towards them, weapons drawn. And of course, the the players being players assumed that they were under attack and fought back. What they didn't realize until the encounter actually started was that the orcs ran right past them. Uh, well, they, of course, took some swings along the way. And then they realized, hey, there's like a guy chasing them. And they're like, oh, okay, this is what's going on. They're being chased. Well, what they didn't realize was behind the guy, there was a large earth elemental. So it was... The Earth Elemental chasing the guy, chasing the orcs. And so by the time the players realized what was going on, it, it was actually turned into a very fun and very funny encounter just with the constant misunderstandings of what was happening. But it gave the, the PCs a chance to be very heroic, and it was a, a ton of fun. Everybody really had a good time. It did take a long – it ended up being a very long combat encounter. So we ended the night essentially when they arrived in red larch they went to the inn they went to the tavern and that that's pretty much as far as they got and we're going to pick things up there next week and greg how did your group go well mine went pretty good now the good thing or the well i shouldn't say the good thing, but the interesting thing about this module is they don't really have a clear this is how it begins it's just figure it out yourself kind of uh, kind of thing and i know derek you and i had uh, discussed this sort of beforehand, uh, and uh, we had both kind of come up with the same idea to have a random encounter to start, so that's exactly what I did. Uh, but even before that, I just had the players, you know, go around, talk about your character's backstories and stuff, and like I just asked a whole bunch of questions to try and see, oh, and what does your character think of that? And by the end, by the time the last person went, we had some sort of like a, like a loose, unified idea of why this party was adventuring together. And then I said, all right, this is where you guys are headed. But boom, then we just kind of went into it. They they encountered a uh, a couple that was um, being attacked in the woods. Uh, it was um, a pack of gnolls, so they, they jumped in to help. Um, but being low-level characters, they were taxed quite a bit. Uh, and then after the encounter was over, one of the, uh, one of the couple was severely wounded and i uh, had a whole bunch of monsters show up again like a, the second wave were ready to show up so the characters really had no choice but to uh to retreat so i basically led them you know to red large that's kind of how they they were introduced to red large they needed to find shelter it's the only place within a you know a number of miles and uh, these characters that they they had attempted to rescue were um were from red large so basically i had them come in one of the one of the npcs died uh, in this combat, uh, sort of holding the monsters off while the PCs made an escape. And um, later on, when they're in the town, uh, instead of just like, all right, go to the tavern and talk to everyone, which it did eventually get to. But uh, before it got to that point, I had that the the, the town uh, constable was very suspicious of these strangers who came in and wanted to interrogate each one of them individually to find out what the story was, to see if their stories matched up. And I kind of used that as the springboard to launch them into the... Uh, Introducing them to the uh, and some of the NPCs and stuff, and getting some of the uh, 
quest hooks out. But yeah, maybe it but went thank, pretty well. Thank so. goodness they got their story straight before they met the constable, eh? <laughs> well, they didn't, actually. The, <laughs> a few of them, because I actually literally took each player off table to before they could discuss it to to tell me exactly their their account and of course i also had follow-up questions as well uh so you know the constable had his own um, had his own motivations his own questions to ask as well so it's like a it, season it was, of murder mysteries yeah it was one of, one of the uh, players implied that the uh the wizard may have been acting uh the wizard party may have been acting uh perhaps in a careless way, which got the, uh, the NPC question killed. So I think it was kind of funny to see how quickly they would turn on each other. But, I digress. Uh, basically, that's how, that's how I used it in, in, in order to sort of like build a little bit of fun for the, the party to, to kind of bond together and then meet some of the NPCs in an interesting way and then already got some of the, uh, the plot hooks and whatnot out there, so they're ready to, to start Digging in deeper and, and exploring the town more because they're, you know, they're a town, uh, you know, basically messing up from their, their grievous wounds and whatnot and their expended re uh, resources. Okay, note, note to self, uh, Craig, you're technically going. Your sound sucks, dude. Yeah. There's no nice way to say it. Sorry to our listeners, but Craig, <laughs> want to hear what Craig said, but he got some technical challenges during this recording. Sorry, Indeed. Dude. Oh yeah, no worries. We got to do though. Okay, it's all good. <laughs> huh. all yeah, right. my, my internet connection is a little screwy, so my apologies to anyone having to suffer through it. It's okay. Um, we can we can we can still understand you. Yep. We'll get that fixed for next week. Or we'll carry so. <laughs> yep. yep. Uh, so Greg and I have at face to face, and uh, I an opportunity to the DM. I had an opportunity to play another location we're playing in Toronto, Harry Tarantula North, and uh, we, I have been sort of the coordinator for, for that program at that store for quite a time now, and um, I've been a fairly uh, uh, you know, strong heads up to the people there that I wanted to be a player this season. I didn't want to be the DM. And, and so uh, this season I actually got a chance to, or I'm going to hopefully get a chance to play at Harry Tarantula North rather than just be the DM. And so was Craig. So we're hoping the two of us get a chance to play together, which is something we don't usually get to do. Uh, unfortunately, Craig had a personal engagement this week and was unable to play, but I was there. Uh, it was a little bit challenging this week. We had only four DMs and we had 32 players. So for those of you doing the math real quick, that is more players per table than the Adventurers League allows for. Uh, we hate to turn people away, but we're on that sort of line of do we follow the rules and kick people out, or do we bend the rules for a week while we desperately try to recruit another DM? Uh, at the table where I was playing, the DM was hard and fast with the rule. Seven is the max. He would not take any others. I believe at least one of the other DMs took on some extra players. Uh, I'm not going to rat out who was what, but uh, we are definitely looking to get some new DMs uh, so that we don't have to bend the rules. Everyone gets a chance to play. Um, it, the turnout was fantastic. Uh, those people that played seemed to have a good time. The adventures were very long this week just because the tables were so many. There were so many people there. Uh, I think our session took almost three hours and... Uh, I don't want to say we didn't get a lot done because uh, there was certainly a lot going on, but with that many players, everybody got a chance to sort of 
do their thing, and, and that just took time. Uh, the DM did a good job of keeping things moving as best he could, given the, the number of people. But, yeah, it, it's really, it's tough to run a table of seven. It's tough to run a table of six, but uh, it did a good job. Uh, one thing that I did find interesting was I t- took a little poll at both locations of who was playing what kind of character. Uh, I'll ask you guys this. What races do you think were the most popular choices out of 40 characters? Drow. Not even human. We had one dra- human. 15 out of 39 people were playing human. And every single one of them took the alternate human option to do the plus two to one score or plus one to two different scores rather than the six plus ones to all stats. Everybody oh. wanted that feat. So that was 15 why I guessed out it. of 39. Yep. Our next popular from races, we had... Um, four gnomes and these are just regular gnomes from the player's handbook uh three tieflings three dwarves three elves and um four uh four half elves and three goliaths so uh, of the new races we only had three people play goliath and only one genasi it was an earth genasi uh nobody played the deep gnome and we did have a couple of people make a little bit of a stink they couldn't play the arakokra is that how you say that arakokra yeah, something like that. The flying birdman dude from the Players Companion. Uh, when they realized it wasn't legal, they made a little bit of a of a sad face. But uh, you know, whatever. Too bad. So yeah, humans far and above the most popular, and then gnomes, half elves, Goliath, elf, dwarf, and tiefling coming in. Now for classes, what do you think? It was a much more even spread. If you had to guess, what do you think were your most popular classes? Warlock. No, surprisingly not. No. Mark, any guesses? Um, probably going to say fighter. Yeah, fighter. Uh, our, our most represented class of the group was fighter with six fighters. We then oh, had wow. five bards, five paladins. Those were our, our biggest representatives there. Uh, we only had one monk. We only had two clerics, two barbarians, and three rogues, which I thought the rogues were really underrepresented considering how many we saw in play last time. But uh, what, was yeah. the bi- what was the most popular fighter uh, subclass? Oh, uh, well, I mean, most of the characters are still level one, right? So they haven't really defined their characters that acutely, and I didn't ask. Oh, yeah, uh, but, yeah, but Human Fighter, we had four people playing Human Fighter. So most represented race, the most represented class, and then we had three. We only, we only had three rangers, they were all humans. So it was just interesting. I put together old range sheet, and I mean, as we get character, new player characters uh, over the next few sessions, I'll keep track of it a little more closely because I'm kind of curious to see where people are going. I really was doing it because I wanted to see who was playing the new races and was actually quite surprised that we didn't have more people play the Genasi considering the four subtypes all have plus one to four different ability scores. So it's not like, well, I don't want to play that because I don't have, it doesn't pump up the stat I need. Basically, between the four, you'd be able to pump up one of the stats that was relevant to pretty much any class. So just an interesting observation. So... But yeah, so uh, week one of season 20, so far so good. It's relatively slow beginning, but I think the pacing will continue to be important with this season. Um, I, it's very clear that there is not enough content provided in this PDF all the way through the time frame which is provided. So take your time, player time because you're you're gonna basically have a repeat of what happened last time you rush through the first few chapters and then you've got weeks or months where there's no official organized public play happening at your store and i know 
with one of the stores where we play, things fell apart. We went from 40 players down to like seven for weeks at a time. And I am very pleased that so many people came back for the start of the new season, but I do suspect that there are going to be a handful of people that just aren't coming back. There wasn't something to keep them coming back week after week and we've lost them. So take your time, stretch it out. Agreed. Very cool. So yeah, I'm looking, uh, looking forward to read all about it. I can't wait to, uh, to basically go and get my copy. So it'll be great. But you said there's uh, there's how many episodes total in the whole module? Well, it's sort of broken into a weird division. With the uh, Horde of the Dragon Queen, it was very clear. You had your chapters. Pardon me. Your, well, you had chapters. Episodes. They called episodes. But they were very clearly broken out. With this one, uh, it's just broken into what they call part one and part two. But each of part one and part two are broken down into multiple episodes. But it's not a clear division because there's sort of tasks that are presented and you can sort of do them in any order and it's like once you've completed so many that constitutes an episode so it's it's not as clear cut as it was in the last season so especially with these uh, xp limits i think it's going to be a little bit challenging for uh for dms to sort of figure out well when does that limit apply and when can my characters level up and you know at the end of the day you finish these two uh, two long chapters, and your character should be level four. And I think as long as that's where you are by the end, you've probably done it done a good job. Um, uh, one other thing that did get mentioned at the uh, encounters session that I played at Heritage North was some of the DMs were very, very clear day one, five minutes in, that they are only interested in running the free PDF that's been provided, because I know in last season. Most of the DMs had bought the Horde of the Dragon Queen module and were very interested in playing it all the way through. And so even though it wasn't technically officially D&D Encounters, it was just D&D Public Play, general, casual play, whatever they call it on the reporting tool, um, people were able to continue the adventure path. I know the DM that we played with, he said, if you're looking to continue beyond these first two parts that are given, which will take, I don't know, 10 to 15 weeks, uh, he's like, I'm done. When I do this, I'm going to start doing the expeditions after that. So... A few of the players, yeah, I could see them sort of nodding their head, and he said, you know, maybe next week, if, you're, if your desire is to continue playing all the way through the whole module, and there's a DM that's going to buy the book, you might want to switch tables now so that you have that, uh, you know, consistency all the way through. So, again, just if you're a player at your store, you may want to ask your DM up front, hey, what's your intention after you finish running the free PDF? Uh, or if you're a DM and you know you are or are not planning to buy the book and continue running it, just be upfront with your group about that, especially if they have other options. Agreed. Sounds good. Mm-hmm. That's about it. We'll see how things play out. So, sounds good. Anything else to add there, Craig? No, I think that's about it. Well, fantastic. So I guess we'll speak next week. We should be back to a regular weekly schedule, which is really nice. Uh, <coughs> oh, pardon me. And, uh, yeah, so this concludes... I guess episode one of D&D Encounter season 20, Prince of the Apocalypse. And until next time, have a blast. You can follow me on Twitter at Amaron underscore DM, and be sure to visit DungeonsMaster.com for original D&D 4th edition material, including a weekly field report of my D&D Encounters experiences.
And follow me on Twitter at 20foot and visit 20footradius.blogspot.com for your weekly dose of D&D encounters. That's 20footradius20ftradius.blogspot.com. Until then, have a blast.